Hello, this is Pastor John Willingham of Doralstown Presbyterian Church. As our podcast audience continues to grow, I want to thank our loyal listeners and welcome those who may have just recently found us. We know that life can quickly become busy, so this podcast offers an on-the-go opportunity to hear Sunday's sermon, along with the scripture lesson read by that day's lay leader or preacher. We also encourage you to visit our website at dtownpc.org to learn more about our church and all of our diverse ministries. Thank you for tuning in. Today's reading comes after a successful return of the 70 disciples from the uh, foothill country, and Jesus encountered Martha and Mary. Let us attend to these words from Luke 11, verses 5 through 11. And he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, let me lend me three loaves of bread. For a friend of mine has arrived, and I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from within, Do not bother me. The door has already been locked, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything out of friendship, at least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives and everyone who searches finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to Story is told of a little boy who just hated to make up his bed. One morning after he woke up, he had a quick prayer. He went into the bathroom to brush his teeth. And his father happened by just when his son was out of the room and he decided to go in and to make up his son's bed as a surprise for him, but didn't told him, tell him what he had done. And it was a couple days later, that son came to breakfast and he clearly was distressed. As he said to his mother, I just don't get this prayer business. One day I pray to Jesus and he makes up my bed and the next day I pray and he doesn't. (laughs) Well, my hunch is that few of us have turned to the divine for help in that task. They're clearly needs to be a continuing understanding and growth in what we know about prayer and that unique gift that each of us possesses. And as disciples of Jesus, there is no better one to whom we might turn for instruction on that topic. And the verses that we heard read moments ago come in the middle of three consecutive times when Jesus is talking about prayer. It begins on a day when he is just engaged in a time of prayer himself, and one of his disciples says, Lord, teach us how to pray. And in response, he offers really a modified version of the Lord's Prayer. The one that we will use in this service comes from Matthew's account of that same prayer. 
Immediately after our account, Jesus poses this rhetorical question, asking what parents, when a child is asked for a fish, will instead give the child a snake. As he says, if you, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask of him? It is at that point, then, that our passage occurs. Jesus is offering a parable. As he says to the disciples, suppose one of you has a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread, for a friend of mine has arrived and I have nothing to set before him. As is true of all Jesus' parables, so does this one lend itself to multiple things that we can hear in it. But as is also the case, so does this one include all sorts of first century images and practices that may not be so obvious to us. Thus, for us to be able to hear what Jesus might be saying to us about prayer on this day, We need to be clear about some of those pieces that would have been obvious, apparent, to the ones who first heard his words. For instance, we might be curious about the request made by this friend for three loaves of bread. It seems like an awful lot of bread for one guest, even if that guest was me. And, And I love all kinds of bread, and I have the A1C numbers to prove it. In this moment, though, what we need to understand is that bread was not simply part of the meal, but it was also utensils, as the bread would be torn up in pieces and used to dip in various bowls. We might also wonder how it is in this story that the friend knows who to ask at midnight who might have that much bread available. Again, the first disciples wouldn't have raised that question. For in that era, the women would gather in a common courtyard to bake bread together. And so it would have been known who in their neighborhood would have had bread left over even at that late hours. Now, I think the key piece, though, for us to hear Jesus' words revolves around this whole concept of hospitality. For in that era... The fact that someone has shown up unexpectedly for dinner was not just the responsibility of the host, but rather for the entire community. And so when this man goes to his friends and asks to borrow three loaves of bread and says, I have nothing to set before him, what he is really saying is, I don't have enough that is adequate to serve my guest so that the honor of our village will be upheld. Most American communities don't have that kind of sense of shared hospitality for any guest. But there are places in the world where that is still true. A number of years ago, as part of a sabbatical granted me by this congregation, I traveled to Turkey. And one day, I went to Ataturk Airport in Istanbul to fly to Ankara, the nation's capital. I arrived 90 minutes before my scheduled departure, 
And so I went up, when I went up to the ticket agent and he made reference to a flight leaving in 10 minutes, I wasn't even sure how that was possible, but I said, okay, and soon had my boarding pass. Once I was settled on the plane, I was reminded of, of really kind of an era gone by for US air travel. For in this case, there were no lo loading zones. And once it was announced it was time to board, everyone headed to the gate at the same time and just picked out their seat. In addition, even though my flight was barely an hour from takeoff to touchdown, they served a full meal on the flight. Still, when I arrived in Ankara and got my luggage, I was surprised that my ride to the hotel wasn't present. They had been operating like clockwork on the entire trip. I didn't realize it at the time that actually that ticket agent in Istanbul, I had agreed to go on an earlier flight than what I had been scheduled to take. And so as I was waiting for my ride, I stood in the terminal for probably 30 minutes, 45 minutes, went outside, the ride still wasn't there. So then I went back in and at the entry point of that airport, there was sort of the Turkish equivalent of the TSA. And so as my luggage was being x-rayed, I said to one of the men how I couldn't find my ride. And that individual left his post and literally ran down the concourse and soon brought back another man and explained to him what was happening for me. That gentleman invited me down to his office where he made a phone call on my behalf and while he was waiting for the reply call, he asked if I wanted some tea, wondered how my trip to Turkey had been going. And when the, the call was returned and he learned the plan, he escorted me to the place that I needed to be standing for my ride. And a minute or so later, it showed up and everything else on the trip went smoothly. It's that kind of active and collective hospitality that stands behind Jesus's parable. So when this friend uses the very feeble excuse of the door being locked, of the children already being asleep and saying, that's why I can't help you, for the disciples who heard that story first, it would have been laughable. The idea that anyone would fail to carry out their responsibility for being hospitable for such meager reasoning. Then that Jesus says, I tell you, even if he will not help him because he is his friend, because of his persistence, he will help him and give him whatever he wants. In my study of this passage, it seemed clear that one of the key pieces for interpretation is, is that those two words, his persistence. Other translations of the Bible speak of it as his boldness. The King James refers to it as his importunity. I had to look up that word. It means that someone who continues to pester and, and to push until finally getting what he wants. Still another translation says that you could understand it to say that as that friend continues to knock at the door and wake up all the neighbors until finally his friend helps him. 
What stands behind any of those interpretations is the sense that his persistence refers to the one who is seeking help. And that might have been what Jesus meant. And yet I read of another voice who suggests that maybe those words speak not of the one seeking help, but the one who had been asked. And that that sense of persistence has another connotation that still fits into this whole understanding of hospitality. As he suggested that maybe what was being said was if the sleeper refused the request of anything so humble as a loaf of bread, the host would continue his rounds cursing the stinginess of the sleeper who would not even get up to fulfill this trifling request. The story, he said, would have been all over the village by the next morning, and the sleeper would be met with cries of shame everywhere he went because of his desire for avoidance of shame, though. This scholar suggests he will arise and grant whatever the borrower wants. Certainly avoidance of shame continues to be an active motivator for human beings. The student who completes all of her homework may not do so simply for that sense of satisfaction of having finished, but rather to avoid the potential embarrassment of being called on by a teacher the next day. The taxpayer who closely follows all the regulations may do so not because he agrees with the rules or the exemptions or lack thereof, but rather because he wants to avoid the embarrassment of an IRS audit. And maybe a driver going down the highway can honor the speed limit, not because they think it is a good number for that particular stretch of the road or at that time of the day, but rather because they remember what it was like to be pulled over in the past and have the embarrassment of other drivers coming by looking to see what was happening. An avoidance of shame can still lead people to do the right thing. And maybe, maybe that's what Jesus was speaking of in that parable too. All of those cultural pieces are helpful for us to understand how that initial group of disciples would receive that word, but still we're left with the question of what is Jesus trying to tell us about prayer? Is one of the characters in that story meant to represent the disciples and one of them depicting God? Is Jesus saying that what we need to be sure of is that we model persistence in our prayer? or steps that will avoid being humiliated or something else entirely. I don't know. I think it's fair for us to conclude that in those words, Jesus is not somehow suggesting that God must be badgered into answering our petitions. I think it's also something that we could agree upon, that God's motivation in responding is not an avoidance of shame, but always providing us with what we need. And yet for me, even after the time of reflecting on this text, and even at the end of this sermon, I can't speak with any definitive way of what I think Jesus was trying to convey. 
and I would welcome your takeaways after worship. And instead, simply share with you the words of another believer who, in reflecting upon these three consecutive moments of Jesus' instruction, says this. Jesus' teaching on prayer required that the one who prays does so as one aware of a desperate self-need before God. Those words remind us of God's nature as one who loves us and wants to give to those who are in need. Both the model prayer and the parable underscore the point that prayer is ultimately the worship of God, acknowledging God's holiness and devoting ourselves to the coming of God's kingdom where we bring our need to God's love in faith, he said. This is prayer. It is that gift that our Lord has extended to each one of us, an opportunity that is present and can be acted upon in every moment of life, even those times when we run out of bread. Let us pray. We give thanks, O oh God, for this gift that you have given to us. We remain humbled by the ways that you continue to listen and hear every prayer offered. We continue to trust that in your response you will provide us with what we need. And so we ask that we will continue to be bold in our prayers, that we will continue to be persistent in our prayers, that we will continue to be clear in placing before you the deepest longing of our hearts and trust that your response will reflect your love. For it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us today. Once again, I invite you to check out dtownpc.org for information about our worship and programming for all ages.